if you get to research and really dig in and explore or experiment or debate with somebody about it or do a Socratic seminar, an online discussion, maybe a teach back, those are so student-centered and student-empowered that um, you can't help but get to know that content better. The topic for today's podcast is creating differentiation for students to succeed in remote learning. Tech Talk for Teachers. Want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote and blended learning. Education. Education is our passport to the future. Our quote for today, it comes to us from Carol Ann Tomlinson, and it is, Teachers in the most exciting and effective differentiated classrooms don't have all the answers. What they do have is optimism and determination. Determination. Differentiation is hard. You know, it's something, and I'm stealing this from you, Pam, because you've said it to me a million times. Differentiation is something we've always wanted to do, but now technology gives us the means to do it more efficiently and effectively. And um, I'm really grateful for that. Today, we are going to talk about differentiation. And there's really four big parts that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to differentiate the learning environment, the learning content, the learning process, and then the product that demonstrates learning. So the first one is differentiating environment. And we're going to let Pam take that one away. Mm. I became acutely aware of that when I did a uh, site visit and to this classroom and the teacher was showing me her flexible seating in her environment. And she was talking about caves and campfires and water coolers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so what did I do when I went home? I was like, Googled. And I think she was inspired by David Thornburg's analogy. And basically it's looking at creating these different kinds of learning spaces for students. And then I've been really reflecting on what does that look like in remote learning? So for example, the cave is where you're alone with your own thoughts and your own reflection. So in a traditional classroom, we're talking about that beanbag in the corner of the classroom. Well, with remote learning, that's probably that independent asynchronous assignment time the students are working on. But of course, we don't want keep students in a cave all the time. So it's really important that they have opportunities for small group. And there's two kind of versions in his analogy, the campfire and the water cooler. The campfire is where students formally share ideas in the group. And it's led by an expert, but the expert doesn't have to be a teacher. It could be, but it could like a teacher table kind of situation, but it could also be led by students. So I think in the traditional sense, the jigsaw activities that we do with our students that we can still do in remote learning, um, really leveraging those breakout rooms and having like a collaborative, do collaborative document to help support that. The water cooler is also a small group, but it's more informal exchange of ideas. So like in a traditional classroom, it's that table talk. And that's so important because those side conversations can all of a sudden inspire a new idea or a new way of thinking about something. So in remote learning, we could look at our public and private chat like in a Google Meet, that could be that mm -hmm. water cooler moment. Or in a discussion in your learning management system, you've got your formal discussions, but maybe make an opportunity for a parking lot, another space for them to have those informal sharing of ideas. Another part of that concept is creating mountaintops. This is where we celebrate our learning, thinking of the idea, singing it from the mountaintop. <laughs> in the traditional classroom, we're talking about that presentation 
in front of the classroom. For remote learning, that presentation can take so many different forms now. It could be an e-portfolio, e a blog, a website. But when we're posting it now in that digital space, the mountaintop is so much bigger than it could be when it's just limited into the classroom. And it's been kind of fun as I've been Googling um, and just kind of refreshing on these and thinking about them in terms of remote learning. I'm seeing that people are adding to his ideas. In fact, one that I really like is seeing sand pit. It's this <laughs> idea that I know a sand pit. And I think of myself as, you know, with a little bit of that IT background, we call it a sandbox. But this space that we can play, experiment, explore, without worry. And there's so much value in learning that comes in play. I think we need to stick with, yeah, stick with sandbox. Because when I think of sandpit, I'm thinking of Star Wars and the sand oh, monster. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, please. I don't know about sandpit, but I'm going to go with sandbox. I like okay. that. I like sandbox too. <laughs> but it's just great that people are, are really taking these analogies and really thinking about intentionality with their space, whether it's that face-to-face -face space or the opportunities we have with our remote spaces and being able to differentiate that for the different needs. I was thinking that it's like a camping trip. Mm -hmm. I'd like to do all those on a camping trip, right? I want a nice, safe place to stay at night. Maybe not a cave, but could be a tent. Uh, and I want my campfire so we can kind of hang out at night. I like the water cool for a little refreshment. You know, we can chat. And you want to get to the mountaintop, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. I mean, that's where you have the greatest views of all your success right there. Mm -hmm. I think there's lots of good visual cues that could be used for those. Even on a podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we differentiate content, Rena? So there's lots of different ways to differentiate, say that fast, different ways to differentiate <laughs> content. Um, and I actually think technology uh, makes it easier in a lot of ways. Um, one of my favorite ways to differentiate is actually to dis differentiate. I'm having a hard time with that word today. Differentiate. <laughs> through choice and interest. And I know in a previous podcast, we were talking about being more efficient um, and providing choice boards helps you be more efficient as well, but it also empowers students. So I was recently thinking about uh, a vending machine and I saw someone had created a digital vending machine. It was really cool. And you could put different pictures of things, but basically kids clicked on those things and they got to go to different opportunities. So they had different choices and interests. So it's really nice to be able to think about what students are interested in and maybe provide choice through interest. So there's interest choices. Um, and then there can be content choices, but really focus on exposing students to concepts and skills and practicing them in ways that are going to allow you to give feedback and to allow them to grow. So we're not just giving them choices that are not, not going to be meaningful or helpful for them. We're intentional about the choices they're able to do. Another thing to think about is when you offer choices, there might be some choices that are to be completed first before they mm -hmm. get to complete the others. You have to be careful because if they see things that are really cool later on, they might rush through. So you might not, with digital technology, what's cool too is you can set it so those aren't even seen um, until later on. So there's lots of different options. I'm curious about that digital vending machine. How did they make that? So I actually made my own using Google Draw and I just <laughs> used shapes um, oh. and created that that way. And then I was able just to find the different pictures and import and then link to those pictures. And then it became a digital choice board. Nice. Cool. So you could do that in Google Slides too, just by publishing mm -hmm. it as a website, publish it to the web and then have it 
link through just like an interactive. So that's actually what I did is I then took the drawing that I made and put it into slides and then it would link to, well, you could have it linked to different places, but also different slides. And then if you gave each student their own copy, they could then put work in there as well. That's awesome. And you know what? If you had kids make something like that, mm-hmm. when kids create, that's like natural differentiation because they get to choose kind of what goes in there. Talk about choose when you were saying that, Rena. I was thinking about that voice and choice. And, you know, there's we want to have some um, we want to give them voice and choice, but it's not a free for all. And I remember at a conference I intended to um, she talked about voice and choice with guardrails, this idea of must do's and may do's that we have to find that mm-hmm. right mix so that they don't miss the learning target in having their voice and choice at the same time. And if you were bowling, is that like the little bumper pads? Yeah, I think so. Bowling with bumper pads. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, one thing that I was thinking about, too, with the whole differentiating of content is there's more and more like products that are prepackaged mm-hmm. that are out there. And a lot of them are free or freemium, you know, where a lot, lot of it's free and then, and then you need to upgrade if you want the whole thing. But like Newzella or Common Lit, they have differentiated leveled articles and the teacher can really easily push those different differentiated mm-hmm. articles out to different students so they all get it where they need it. And um, that's awesome. Some software programs are adaptive. So depending on how you respond to some questions, it leads you down a different trail Mm -hmm. based on your level of expertise and competency. And that's really powerful because if a teacher had to do that, you know, one by one for each student, I don't know how we'd ever have the time to do it. Absolutely. So the third topic with uh, differentiation, actually it's third and fourth. We're going to combine them together. It's process and product because I think there is some overlap on these sometimes. Um, so process is how do we really dig into the content and get to know the content and personalize it? Um, in my mind, we need to find authentic, active, creative ways to engage kids in the content. And when we do that, it does become more differentiated, not packets, not worksheets. Mm-hmm. Worksheets and packets probably <laughs> changed anyone's life for the better. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty bad. But if you get to research and really dig in and explore or experiment or debate with somebody about it or do a Socratic seminar, an online discussion, maybe a teach back, those are so student-centered and student-empowered that um, you can't help but get to know that content better. (laughs) Absolutely. I was just thinking about product and packets, and I can't reflect back on any packet work that I'm super excited that I shared or did. You didn't keep your packets like from first grade? (laughs) I think my mom kept a couple of them in a bin. Uh, (laughs) Like the round one by the door? No, that's a garbage (laughs) can. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, That makes me think of product. So product being what students maybe choose to do to show their learning. Um, And we can differentiate product. I would actually say better now than ever. Mm -hmm. So really, once again, back to that student choice and interest. um, I think it's great to provide kind of checklists or you could provide options for students to choose. I would start small. So if you're kind of new to differentiating how students can show their learning and understanding, you can limit it to like two or three things. And you can always have that option of you can do something else if we have a conversation. Um, That might be a good place to start. So you're not overwhelmed by all the different things and you can provide supports and resources with those different environments. Some some examples of those environments, you know, it used to be PowerPoints, PowerPoints, PowerPoints. (laughs) Um, 
I would say we've shifted from them. I'm saying there's really great things you can do with different kinds of slide presentations, but lots of times then the focus is on actually making the slides and not the content. So make sure it's content focused. And how can students share that with others? So I love the idea of doing some style of TED Talk and having teacher or not teacher students be the ones sharing that. Um, they can make video now. There's all kinds of awesome editing video software that is freemium, as <laughs> Paul pointed out. Um, they can do things now with computer science. I love, love, love when students actually code or create models through programs like Scratch and Scratch Junior. I mean, I've seen three-year-olds creating, showing their understanding of friendship through a program that they coded in Scratch Junior. Um, So there's all kinds of ways for them to show that, creative ways. Um, The list goes on. And I believe in, I forget what articles, maybe one of you can think about it in um, Avid Open Access. We do have some different lists in that can provide you with information of all the different ways that students can show that they're understanding in a remote learning environment as well. Yeah, there's a there's an article on uh, formative assessments. There's an artic- article on feedback. And then there's an article on summative assessments. But really, the summative assessment is this product-based demonstration. Mm-hmm. Lots of different options. Say, so, Pam, what do, what do you think about the whole idea of products as a way to differentiate for, for learning? I think about when I first started in um, as an educator, one of the hats I wore was gifted and talented. And I remember being sent to a conference on differentiation. I thought, oh, my goodness, absolutely. I shouldn't be teaching to the middle. I should be uh, teaching to the where the students are and helping them grow from where they're at. But when I came back, I was a specialist, 725 students. <laughs> I, it was like, no. And I always I called it my shelf of guilt. <laughs> I kept this differentiation on this shelf of guilt because I knew it was the best practice. I just didn't have the means to put it into practice. And it was really hard until technology became a tool that I could use and really leverage. You know, I tell um, my colleagues, it's not the technology that gets me super excited. I certainly, you know, I'm confident in it because of experience, but it's what it allows me to finally be able to do as an educator. And certainly that product process product part that we can tie those together and give students so many creative ways in which to demonstrate their learning, I think is so much more powerful. You mentioned PowerPoint, Rena. When I started, we didn't have PowerPoint. It was, it was paper and it was an oral presentation. And then we got all excited with the computers. Well, actually the computer's there when I started, but it was basically take, taken up with keyboarding and um, papers. We really didn't have the means to do the other things. And now there's so many opportunities for students, whether mm-hmm. it's like you said, the TED Talk, podcasts, videos, infographics, websites, so many, websites, yeah, there's portfolios. So <laughs> the possibilities are endless. <laughs> and you know, what? I do want to mention, though, it actually is okay to still provide those paper and pencil oh, options. Absolutely. Um, those posters, there's a place those one pagers, I don't want yep. to forget about those. And they can still put that pencil to paper and then maybe take a picture to show it in another way. But even if they're doing those traditional ways, it can be amplified with technology and shared Mm -hmm. in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah, you can broaden your audience for sure. You can extend that audience forever with with the whole technology. There's one thing that really, I may be getting ahead of myself with the one thing, but I can't help it because what (laughs) resonated with with me when you were talking, Rena, about giving students that option to come to you and say, this wasn't on the list, but (laughs) could I do this? That yeah. is an awesome Powerful. opportunity, especially for your your high-end kids, your gifted kids, but not only them, because maybe maybe another student just has a passion area and they really want to dig into it. 
boy, that is the most motivating and empowering thing that we can do for kids is to give them that choice. Some of my favorites have been like some wraps. Some kids have come up with commercials. And when they said they wanted to do that and we were serious, I actually saw them put in more effort and energy than they would have mm-hmm. ever put into a paper and yeah. the learning that was going on. And then on the side, they were also practicing collaboration skills and all these other things that were not intended. Right. I've seen high school kids take a video project and they meet up on the weekend. They spend the whole weekend working. Mm-hmm. At it. It's not only a learning event, it's a social event. And they combine those together and it's so rich. And it's fun. <laughs> it's absolutely It's engaging. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what else is fun? Mm-hmm. Tool talk is fun. In fact, this tool talk kind of branches off one we've talked about earlier, which was the LMS or the learning management system. But this time, specifically, a piece of the learning management systems that facilitates differentiation. And that's the in, uh, ability to individually assign something. So it doesn't matter if you use Schoology or Canvas or Seesaw or Google Classroom. These, these programs all have this feature. And I would say that it gives us an unprecedented opportunity to efficiently give kids what they need on that one-on-one individualized basis. Pam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, not only what they need, but what can align to their personal interests. I was working with a teacher this week who was um, surveying her students to find out what their interests are so she could align uh, book choices to um, at their level, but also at their interests. And then with the individually assigned feature, being able to create these um, discussion groups or literature circles for the students then to engage in their groups at their level, but also within their interests, which is so important. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking with my own kiddos, so my twin are in first grade, but, and they're in the same classroom this year, which we normally don't do, but because of the remote learning situation, we felt like that was better, but their, their teacher, I should just give her a shout out, Rosalind Dance, amazing. Let's go. Taking notes. And like, she gave individualized, like a math problem using my kid's dog's name. And I don't even know how she (laughs) learned the dog's name. I have no (laughs) idea. Um, And, and based on their interests, one's obsessed with video games and then one really with friends and talking, but (laughs) she was able to then personalize as well as kind of differentiate with that personal information. And, oh my goodness, my kids are already in love with her. And it's, so I just appreciate her as well. And, and that wasn't really my one, my, I guess we're not to one (laughs) thing, my tool talk point, but, um, I'm going to go back to the student choice. Um, so providing students with choice, I think, is most important. But when providing those choices, make sure that those choices are aligned to the learning outcomes that you are planning for and also aligned to standards. So not just choices for choice sake. Mm-hmm. Learning first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we are, you were just a little bit ahead of the game. We are at that point where it is about our one thing. I got so, excited. I <laughs> hey, Paul got excited earlier too. That's true. It's okay to be excited. <laughs> There's a lot to be excited about. <laughs> Absolutely. So what is your one thing? When you think back to our conversation about differentiation, what's your big takeaway or your one thing that you would um, do tomorrow to get started? I think I personally would set up choice boards. I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but set up those choice boards in an engaging fashion that would be easily accessible depending on what age group I'm working with um, and start small. So I might just start with three choices and then provide that other because I also need it to be manageable for myself. But that's a, a easy way to differentiate quickly. 
And I think you bring up a really important po um, point. It needs to be manageable for the mm -hmm. teacher too. Having three choices is three choices. That is voice and choice. I think mm -hmm. that's an important part. How about you, Paul? I just am struck by how unique everybody is. There's really no one size fits all for mm -hmm. us as teachers, but for sure as students, you know, every learner is different. So we can't expect everybody to do it the same way. And for me, it's, as I mentioned before, that technology gives us so many more options. And certainly when it comes to differentiation, and a big part of that is that voice and choices you mentioned, Rena, which is so motivating and empowering um, for our students. And you know what? There's not just one way to end the podcast either. <laughs> I mean, you could do like, you could do something like that, or you could do something like, or you could do... So whatever your flavor is, we hope to see you next week for another podcast of Tech Talk for Teachers. <laughs>